we light a light in the name of God who creates life. We light a light in the name of Christ who loves life. We light a light in the name of Spirit who is the fire of life. Let us worship God.
Our first reading really is a prayer. It comes from Nan Merrill's book, Psalms for Praying. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but what she does is she replaces the word Lord and all of those patriarchal words with the word love and hear it as a prayer. This is Psalm 27, our first read lectionary reading for today. Love is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Love is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When fears assail me, rising up to accuse me, each one in turn shall be seen in love's light. Though a multitude of demons rise up within me, my heart shall not fear. Though doubts and guilt do battle, yet I shall remain confident. One thing have I asked of love that I shall ever seek, that I might dwell in the heart of love all the days of my life to behold the beauty of my beloved and to know love's plan. For I shall hide in love's heart in the day of trouble, as in a tent in the desert, away from the noise of my fears. I shall rise above my struggles, my pain, shouting blessings of gratitude in love's heart and singing melodies of praise to my beloved. Oh, hear, my beloved, when I cry aloud. Be gracious and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart responds, your face, my beloved, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not turn from me, you who have been my refuge. Enfold me in your strong arms, O blessed one. Though my father and mother may not understand me, you, my beloved, know me and love me. Teach me to be love as you are love. Lead me through each fear. Hold my hand as I walk through the valley of doubt each day. <clears throat> that I may know your peace. I believe I shall know the realm of heaven of love here on earth. Wait for the beloved. Be strong with courage of the heart. Yes, wait for the beloved of your heart. Here ends our first reading. Thanks be to God.
Hear now our gospel reading from the, the Gospel of Luke. I read from the New Revised Standard Version, and I want to tell you that the chapter, chapter 13, is titled, Repent or Perish. Hear now Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Then he said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Here ends our reading for today. Will you pray with me before the sermon? Holy love, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. Today is the second Sunday of Lent. Lent is the traditional time of prayer, self-reflection, and repentance for all Christians. It's a time to renew our spiritual practices and, our, and to grow close to God. I like to think that we're traveling to Jerusalem with Jesus to prepare for what is to come. Here at 7th Avenue Presbyterian, I hear this year's Lenten theme focuses on the unanswered questions in the scriptures, leaving us to wonder what will come next. Preparing for today's sermon with this lectionary scripture from Luke's Gospel, Repentance jumped off the page for me. What were these people of Jerusalem doing, still stoning and killing the prophets? But I didn't want to preach on that. I've never preached on repentance in all my ministry. Oh, don't get me wrong. I believe we're all responsible and accountable for our thoughts and actions. I preached every year and had a service on forgiveness. But sin and repentance are a can of worms, especially in the progressive tradition. I grew up in a church that didn't ever talk about sin. They didn't even believe in sin. I've changed my opinion since then, looking at our human history, at war, at violence, at abuse, I saw that we humans continually mess up in big and little ways. Note that definition of sin. 
People hurt each other, intentionally and unintentionally. And it is this sin that separates us from God, another definition of sin. No one gets off the hook. We are all sinners. Well, I believe in apologies and forgiveness for our sins. Apologies even seem to be in fashion these days, and goodness knows the world in the state it's in certainly has much to apologize for, we do. But for me, repentance, as it has been traditionally taught, is a bitter spiritual task, focusing so much on the sin. The angry judgment and punishment of a vengeful God makes me feel guilty, afraid, and bad. Shame and guilt slam shut the doors of my heart. And I don't even believe in a God like that. And then, too, repent is a loaded word, heavy with the baggage of atonement, a theology I'm not a fan of. I remember when I volunteered at the San Francisco County Jail, the inmates would come up to me so excited to see pastor and tell me, you know, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I think they were implying that that was enough, that Jesus had already paid for their sins, and they were off the hook. But looking them straight in the eye, I used to say, that's great. Now what? Now what? There's work to do around repentance. Repentance is bigger and messier and more complicated than forgiveness. Repentance involves recognizing our sin, however we define it, saying we're sorry, asking for forgiveness, and then changing our offending behavior. I wondered why the people of Jerusalem didn't listen to Jesus and repent. I didn't think they did from the scripture. It sounded like they were still killing the prophets. I made the assumption that human nature has not changed so much since then. Oh, culture has changed quite a lot, but not our human nature in these last 2,000 years. Perhaps people don't repent because it's hard to change our ways, even if we want to. If we just do lip service and don't make changes, it's cheap repentance, kind of like that little kid that got forced to say sorry who says it through gritted teeth. Sorry. Cheap repentance. In my long years working as a teacher and then as a minister and all the time as a parent and wife, the negative energy of guilt-tripping and shaming of telling and demanding people change their ways rarely led to a change in behavior. Only love can do that. So I wandered into the field of lamentations looking for love, into that field where Jesus cried out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How I have desired 
to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. You know, if Jesus hadn't loved the people of Jerusalem, he wouldn't have cared. He wouldn't have cared what they did or did not do. He wouldn't have yearned to protect them and comfort them. Jesus understood our human tendency to sin. He understood our pain at messing up and our difficulty changing our ways. And yet, he still loves us. Yes, we do need to repent our sins, but I want to reframe the basic foundation of repentance, away, moving it away from the sin that we've done to first turning to God, to returning to God. Repentance means turning, turning back to God. Repentance, C.S. Lewis said, is the description of returning home as a prodigal. Jesus taught us that our love, God loves us unconditionally and forgives us what we ask. Each of us is created in God's image and created good. And it's that goodness and love I want to focus on, not our sin, not our mess-ups. How can we experience this amazing, unconditional love that God has for us? I want to share a few spiritual disciplines I found helpful in the practice of returning home to God. I know you have yours, but these are just to give you some ideas. First, practice being aware of God. As you go through your day, have conversations with God about the events and the situations you encounter. Or keep yourself attentive to God by repeating a line of scripture or even a word that calls to you throughout the day. You might say love. You might say repent. And there, you can rest in the presence of God. Second, take time each day to get quiet, to let go of the worries, the fears, and the busyness that preoccupy you, us. And there, open yourselves to holy love, to God. We need a practice of intentionally setting down our burdens. I spend a lot of time volunteering at the botanical garden, and I've developed a practice of mentally setting down my backpack of burdens at the gate before I go in. Before I lift up the gate latch, I put my burdens down. They always seem to find me when I go out again, so there's no worry there. <laughs> During the time I'm at the garden, I experience an amazing sense of peace and well-being. I'm in the presence of God amongst the beautiful plants and the nature of the garden. One can set one's burdens down anywhere, actually. As you light a candle, you can set your burdens down. But I find it helps to have an image of them all stuffed in a sack to set them down. And just a word about meditation. Many people have told me over the years that meditation just doesn't work for them because their mind is so busy, they sit there and they're just reeling through different things in their mind. They can't get calm. But looking at it differently, 
It's the noticing one is thinking about something else and returning that is the moment of pure spiritual awareness. So if you return 15 times, that's 15 moments of God's presence that you've, you've experienced. It's about returning to the field of God's loving presence. Third, let your body lead you in prayer. Practice a breath prayer. You can do what Thich Nhat Hanh Pramit said, breathing in, I breathe in love or compassion. Breathing out, I breathe out fear. And you count your breaths. And as you count your breaths in and out, your body will miraculously calm down and your breaths will grow deeper and you will find yourself for moments in the presence of God. Another thing that I really like to do is to take a parable walk where you go out committing your little walk or jaunt to God's presence and see what you notice. It could be a rock, it could be a dog, it could be a cloud, whatever it is. And take that and think about how that might be a message from God to you. There are so many practices. What is most important is that you just start one and see where it leads you. In preparing this sermon, I've actually come full circle. I've come to, I rejected repentance. That's why I didn't want to preach on it. But I've come to understand repentance is what we're exactly called to do. The first and most important step is to turn back to God, to return to God's amazing, unconditional love that holds you. We are spiritually alive only when we're with God. We perish without it. Wait, you say, do I still need to confess and apologize and change? Yes, with God's help, we can. We are called to help heal the world. We can start in small ways in our own relationships, repairing broken relationships. We need but we need God's help and strength to even imagine all we need to do to heal the broken places. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we're called to start this practice. And I have a little story for you. Thursday night and just Friday morning, I wrestled with an angel, or maybe several angels, I don't know. It was quite intense. And when I woke up, I found myself shaking, and I knew I had been through a battle. My back, was, which had been injured, was re-injured, and I was really shocked. And I found myself saying, okay, in myself, I give up. I repent of trying to be perfect. <laughs> well, if you knew me... <laughs> You would know <laughs> this was something from God. This was something that I have worked with all my life, trying not to have to be perfect. And this came, I'm convinced, as a response from God to me to show me how God works through us when we're in God's presence to lead us to the changes that we might need to make. 
Reinfused with this love, we are transformed, strengthened, and inspired to look outward and become active in the work that Jesus calls us to, the work of loving our neighbors as ourselves, the work of taking care of the needy, the work of being peacemakers, and the work of healing our broken world. This week, I invite you to take on a simple practice wherever and however you can of returning to God. Like with meditation, it's the returning that matters. It doesn't matter how many times you do it. It might even be better if you do it more times, you know? It can be as simple as inviting God into your heart. God is, of course, already there. God yearns for us to come home. And whatever comes next will flow from this place of our being with God. May it be so. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Thank you. 
Holy God, you have fed us in word, in music, in bread, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Pastor Julie reminds us it is the returning that matters. So go forth this day and return to love, to the love that holds you, that you might be healing in the world. And may the God of abundant, abundant, abounding love be with you as you go. May the Christ of joy, peace, and purpose sustain you, and may the spirit of abundant energy keep you on your path as you go out to serve and love our God. Amen. Amen.